May 3rd, and this is the opening session of the Franklin Board of Health. It is 5 o'clock on Wednesday evening. As a preliminary matter, my name is Bridget Sweet. Permit me to confirm that all members and persons anticipated on the agenda are present and can hear me. Members, when I call your name, please respond in the affirmative. Jeff Harris. Yes. Tim Coffin. Yes. Excellent. Staff, when I call your name, please respond in the, in the affirmative. Kathleen? Yes. Jenny? Yes. John? Yes. Alicia? Yes. Maureen? Yes. Excellent. Um, so good evening. This open, meeting of, uh, this open meeting of the Franklin Board of Health is being conducted as a hybrid model, which means this meeting is convening in person as well as conference via the Google Hangout application. This is concurrent with the open meeting law extension through March 31st, 2025. Please note that this meeting is being recorded and remember to mute your phone or computer when you are not speaking. If you do have a question, please let us know by raising your hand. And we can go ahead and kick off. So right to the agenda. Okay. Um, so reading and acceptance of the April 5th, 2023 meeting minutes. We did receive these via email. Any discussion or comment on the minutes? No. No. All right, is there a motion to accept the minutes or approve the minutes? Motion to approve the minutes from the April 5th, 2023 board of health. Marvelous, is there a second? I second. All right, so all in favor, roll call vote. Tim? Yes. Jeff? Yes. Bridget? Yes. So, all in favor, easy peasy. Um, our next item, Kathleen, do you want to go to old business or do you want to go to new business first? Well, we can do old. All right, so our old business is related to our discussion of the tobacco sales regulation restrictions, etc. Yep, so there were just um, four, four things that you, you left undecided and you may still, but um, so the first one is the uh, number three cap or reduced number of permits. Um, currently, we're capped at um, 31 or 32. I think it's 32. 32. Um, and we have 22 permits. Um, so we have room for 10 more. Um, if you want to keep it continued cap, you can change the cap or you can take away the cap or reduce the cap. Can you remind me? What the dual cap means? I can't. I'm not sure. All right. So I think the simple cap is 32. We can get get 10 more. I think the reducing cap is when we can reduce the number, and every year that a permit is not renewed, we can drop it down again. But yeah. I don't know what dual cap means. And the reducing cap is kind of uh, interesting in that the premise for that is to take away all permits. Eventually. Over time, right? Like yeah. Sunsetting them over time? Sunsetting them over time. Um, well, yeah. So I'm not sure if you, how you want to move forward with this. I do not smoke, but I also don't feel that it's our decision to reduce the cap and prevent adults from smoking or vaping um, if that's their prerogative. So I'm not comfortable with reducing the cap and permanently sunsetting permits across the spectrum. So I would not like to entertain that as an idea, but obviously I defer to you. And I, I, agree, I agree wholeheartedly that I don't smoke either, but <clears throat> I don't think we should stop people who do have a right to do it. Sir? I don't think that the reducing the cap is, uh, I would be in favor of it. Okay. I'm just looking at the dual here um, to see if there's a definition. Yeah, that'd be helpful if you could pull one out. Okay. Is that um, too loud? Yeah, it's not given a definition of a dual. I can let you know if I can ask Sarah. Yeah, if you could find out from Sarah, that would be helpful. Um, yes. I just don't want us to make a decision based on not all the information or assuming that it means something else. Yeah, because it says on the checklist section uh, E number eight, and that's just saying number eight is maximum number of tobacco product sales permits, basic cap, 
basic cap, advanced cap. So but looking, cheating quickly on the technical assistance provided by um, DJ Wilson way back when, yeah. it looks like the dual cap <clears throat> is related to um, a cap and then a sub cap for an ultimate maximum number of qualifying retail tobacco stores. My understanding is that it would be a cap on, would be a dual cap, meaning a cap on uh, a general retail store that sells tobacco products and an adult only tobacco uh, distribution. That so that's having separate that you, caps. That's something you might want to consider then, uh, because we have two or three, how many adult tobacco stores we have now? Three. Three. And, and it's very popular. Um, I don't know right. if that's something you want to do 32 and 32, <coughs> or, you know, 25 and 25. So, I, I don't know. So, presently, it's our understanding that of the 22 establishments, three <coughs> of them are adult only. Yeah, yes. It's much easier for them to open up adult only. Right. Right. Them. <laughs> Vendors. And we can table, we not table, but we can ask Sarah to attend the next meeting. This doesn't have to be done over, you know, tonight by any means. This is something that you want to consider, right? Find out how many towns might have done a duel. So it looks like. Up on the wrong page. I had that up, but now I can't find it. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Go ahead. I'd be interested to, to get Sarah's input on it, especially. I'd like to see if other towns. This is obviously research we can do as a board and as a department. Um, if other towns have used the dual cap, are they setting a strict cap, or are they setting a um, a ratio cap? Right, meaning a percentage of the available caps go to adult okay. only versus, you know, you can, you can only have five for however many. Um, I'd be interested to see if there's that kind of um, language anywhere else. I do. How are surrounding towns doing? Well, that's what I, I'd be interested to find out. I mean, just, I, Towns and but Franklin, even those towns, how are they doing this? Yeah, well, I could ask Sarah. Sarah will have the pulse on that. I will tell you with these particular particular adult stores. Uh, I'm not sure if I if I shared this with you or not, but after a police sting, uh, one of our um, permitted adult stores, the uh, teenagers were going in at, at before a little before nine, put a twenty down on the table, and they get two vape products. No, no, no other money is exchanged, right? So, um, you know, that, that's serious if, if that's going to be uh, a trend, right. um, if we have a, many of them, right? So, I mean, we straightened that particular place out, but... I mean, the regulations for adult-only stores are structured to have more protections in place right. to prevent that type of incident and practice from occurring. Um, but they do also provide for, there is always the potential for more opportunity for those to occur if more of those types of establishments exist. That's my point, yeah. Um, I think it'd be helpful to hear from Sarah and to get some of her insight and input on what other towns are doing. I think based on the number of establishments that we currently have, and given that we have a third of our available cap still open, um, I would be in favor of a dual cap to try and limit if there were going to be 10 other establishments sort of applying for those permits, limiting how many of those would go to adult-only stores. Um, but would want to understand sort of what's the what are available approaches? Do we need to have a strict cap if we're going to use a dual cap, or can we create some type of um, percentage structure? 
why, again, I think that we should take into account what around the surrounding towns are doing. I think that's important. If, if they've gone to the state regulations, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Happened. I mean, everyone's doing it slowly, but yeah. surely, unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately, <coughs> to make it. Do you know what Rentham does? No? No. That's fine. And Rentham's not part of a coalition. I mean, even if the board were, even if there were, if, if the town were not to adopt into a cap, having the simple cap in place, it's not like these adult only stores go unnoticed or unseen. They still have the permitting process. Right. Um, it's just the availability of having more of them in town. Yeah. Um, if that, if the, if the cap is going or if you reduce that cap too, you know. Right, I, we do. Yeah. The board does have the option of not adopting the reducing cap. In quotes, right. being the sunsetting version of the cap, but lowering. But reducing our current cap. Reducing our simple cap. Right. Right. Okay. We could reduce yeah. our simple cap. Yeah. From the 32 that we currently allow to a lower number based on the the current permitting establishments we have in town. Okay. That's also an option. I'd be interested to get input on if that's something that towns have adopted yeah. instead of. Don't we have to give a reason for nope. reducing it? Nope. No. It's in their interest to promote and protect public health, and it's in line with the state regulation. No other reason. Did we ever have 32 tobacco? That was just the number that was picked no. way back when? The most we've had is what we have right now. Okay, so we've never had more than this. What other two bullets did we have leave outstanding from last time, Kathleen? So we can make, we had two other ones, right, on this checklist? Or was it just number three? I mean. Oh, no, you have um, 13, 16, and 17. So. Okay. Yeah. Let's just look at that quickly so we can make sure that we, maybe we could give Sarah the heads up. This is where we want more information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to help us make the decision. So yep. it's three, 13, 16, and 17. Yeah. So 13 is related to the finding structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, <coughs> right now we have just our local finding. So if we go here, we could, you could unify it, do our local and the state, depending on the violation. If we don't unify it, then technically they would have the state massive violation and then our smaller nominal, our smaller violation. So it's double dipping. Except for the sale to an underage um, individual. That is a by something that we cannot subvert. Right, by, but um, what I'm saying regardless, we have to take the state fines and we can have our additional nominal fine on top of that or we can go unified and they'd all be one, right? Yes. So we wouldn't have an additional fine. Right, we wouldn't have an additional fine. I'd like to see just unified. Right. My, my, my preference would be the unified. Minus two. The consistency. Yeah, makes sense. All right, we can ask. That's mine as well. Yeah, we can ask for that. I'll, I'll invite her to the meeting too. Marvelous. As well. um, suspension periods. One to seven, again, it, you, there's no flexibility with the underage sale, but there's room here, so I guess we could ask for additional clarification there. Do we know of anyone who's had a 30-day <coughs> violation or suspension in town or surrounding? Not in town. Not in town? In another town I worked in, yes. In, yeah. the, past, <laughs> in the past, we did a suspension. Yeah? 30 yeah. days? Um, it was Walgreens. They don't even sell it anymore because the, they took it out of the drugstores. But it was Walgreens, I remember that. And um, I think it was just seven days. Seven, seven days? days. Yeah. Okay. Just for clarification, the proposed, um, the, the, the outline of suspensions on the checklist, that's a state record. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Just want to be clear that this isn't a recommendation made by the department, the Franco. No, it's not like, no. No. I guess too, it might be helpful when we have Sarah come in to actually um, clarify. One to seven is a long time. So if you're having a bad day, okay, you get seven days because I'm I'm angry. <laughs> um, so maybe we can clarify what that looks like too. If it's between one to seven, have it be a firm three days for your first violation, things of that nature. So I think when there's that, that's a lot of flexibility that, for people. Yeah. Well, that, that, yeah. I mean, I think I would prefer five business days. You know, Monday through Friday yeah. type thing. You know, on the weekends, regardless, they're going to sell tobacco. Right. You know, so, um, I mean, that's just my, my personal opinion. 
think things happen in three days is fair. Things yeah. happen. <laughs> you think? I, I, well, that's up to you. Think. Well, all three of these levels of suspension offer some discretion to the health department and the director for how many of these. So it's, it's, there's going to, unless, unless the board adopts a strict suspension grid, there's going to be some level of discretion um, provided. Goal of refining 
Because May is used up, was used an awful lot. <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you for that. Thank you. All um, right, new business. Yeah, Bridget, you asked to review the current permit options uh -huh. for food operation. I wasn't really sure what you needed. I did bring up viewpoint to show you what we Yeah, and there, I had some questions um, about places that are mobile in nature but don't have an entire food truck. So they were asking if they needed to get a one-day event, a one-day permit every time they come to town, or if they could be considered a mobile because they have a commissary and they're towing their equipment. So it's mobile but not mobile. Oh. So it was that more that bucket. Yeah, we permit trailers. trailers. And no, that's not a trailer. Someone setting up their pizza place or something. It's a trailer. It's a trailer. I. But they, is it the pizza place? That, that's the, one. There's two. There was. He's a, been doing a temporary every time. He comes. Yeah. So is it is that is there a way for him to get a mobile as opposed to a temporary? Well, what would I inspect when he brings it up? When he brings it into the, they bring their trailer or whatever to me, and is he's not doing anything on the trailer, right? It's not. He's setting up outside. Inside and outside. He told me he does everything. He just uses that trailer to bring the food, and then he sets up. Well, but we might not talk, be talking about the same person. Um, I've seen it as such where the oven is located along the back of the truck. There is a hand-washing sink in the back. There's cold rails inside the truck in different storage areas inside. And then there's a prep table inside. So the active prep, rolling of the dough, and cutting up all the, all the um, things already cut. And then it's rolled and then prepared and then cooked in the outside. I think outside. he did get a mobile truck then. Okay. But I think there's another one he does differently. He just yep. uses the truck. Yeah, too. I think COVID created a lot of um, yeah. entrepreneurial. Yeah. People think that food trucks are super cool until they realize that food trucks are super expensive and they're really mm -hmm. hard to operate. So they're trying to like figure out different types of methods. Yeah. So I've seen like the coffee trailer. I've seen um, multiple coffee trailers actually. Um, so just just curious as to if it's permitted as like a TFE every time, or if it's permitted, is there room to permit it as a caterer? Because once you've seen it set up once or twice, you know that that's the intention. I just feel bad if someone's coming to town on a semi-regular basis and they're getting hit with a permit fee every time, where our brick and mortars only get hit, you know, just thinking of it from that perspective. Well, one thing, we don't have a permit for catering. Um, okay. So, which... Uh, Ginny and I have talked about I always had a catering permit in my other town so that's something that I think we should look at for in certain cases rather than a temporary yeah food, maybe that would be helpful yeah um, for these folks um, but again um, I know Ginny you prefer to have not you per se but my our predecessor my predecessor preferred to have like a restaurant food establishment that's already permitted be a caterer right like you like he didn't separate the two where right. I separate the two like you have to show me your catering equipment etc so I know that you're doing this you're actually equipped you're not yeah. just taking 27 Cambro pans in the backseat of your car with your dog and your cat and transporting it to location well it happens I know yeah is that a one-time permit for caterers no it could be a yearly it could be a yearly do you so if you were to, if you were to consider a catering bucket um, would brick and mortars in town who cater also have that on their permit for if they were catering outside of town or would it explicitly be for people who are coming in under that catering function or TBD? Well, I think if they go to another town and cater, I would just say as a courtesy, let the Board of Health know that you're going to be in that right. town. Um, but if you're, you're catering events here, I mean, at least I'd know that it was done safely. Again, it would be really hard, though, with someone who has a non-setup until they're on site and setting up. If they're not a food establishment, how am I going to know they have the right equipment if they're just, like you said, it could be traveling in a car. And I mean, I have a food establishment who, who pulls that, you know, so it would be hard to... I think, if you don't mind me saying, I think we just kind of take it case by case in a sense as far as mobile food trucks go. Yeah. Because you're right, at, during the pandemic and after, there are a lot of alternative ways, you know, that, that they want to do functions. And we don't require mechanical refrigeration. So as long as they can prove that they have all those, they have a commissary, they have a base of operation, they have hand washing, they have cold holding, it's hard to say no, right? Like as long as they're doing the right thing. Exactly. Whereas our friends that we talked about earlier, they require mechanical refrigeration in all capacity. Okay. I'm not sure who. who B-O-S-T-O-N. Who? Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, 
in my last town, I had catering option on my uh, plan review and uh, food, food permit yeah. application. So it's just a, to enter a field for them to check off just so it's on my radar. Um, so would that be? Yeah. So we'll, we, let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So basically, it's either mobile food permit, temporary event, and, and now possibly a caterer. Okay. Thank you. Can, can I add to that, please, a little bit? So, <laughs> so I don't do it. I don't do that for Franklin, but I do it in other towns. Um, so somebody who does not have a vehicle, but comes to multiple events not just a temporary they come to multiple events and they have a setup um, I treat them like a mobile um, I do a mini plan review with them and establish that they have the equipment and the knowledge to perform and give them a mobile permit that allows them to come back more than one time and that goes for the year or for the season <clears throat> I, and not split hairs I wouldn't use a catering permit because a catering permit would allow under the food code would allow them to operate in other towns and another town may not want someone coming in, okay. you know, with, that does not have a base of operations. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's yeah. always a challenge, right? People say they have a commissary and it's really their basement. So at least if you have the paperwork to show that they really have a commissary, it's like, okay, good to go. All right, so, so. So just wanted to share that, sorry. So anything that's not a routine brick and mortar that could be set up in an exterior event that is not going to exceed 14 days like a temporary food event you would consider a mobile right and and i so because they're not temporary they have a higher requirement right they have right? to meet absolutely and so I'll, you know i'll ask them those questions and document it and then i will give them a mobile cool. so they can return do you have a mini plan review application type thing that I um, can, you could share yeah i can i can share i have like a little checklist and the yeah. little checklist oh, yeah that would be helpful yeah all right cool. no, thank, thank you, you. All right, now we're on to the fee. Actually, before, any other comments about food operations? Not for me. You guys making your own food trucks now? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> That's it. All right. Pizza, Pizza here we go, turning. baby. Pizza there, tacos. Well, you can have lobster, like Cousin's Lobster. We I, got it all. We got I it like all lobster. Now. All right. Um, fee for Body Works application discussion. Yeah. So, um, uh, I've talked to the town clerk about this body works application um, I wasn't really worried about a fee because I really don't think anybody's ever gonna fill it out but um, <laughs> but then we have a lawyer who's representing someone um, so there may be a possibility she suggested that we get a fee um, so I mean we can do that or we could wait it out I did look at um, I think it was Needham or Natick uh, I think they charge a uh, 75 Oxford 150 Framingham like 100 um, so it's in that ballpark area um, I just wanted to give you guys the opportunity to make that decision two questions is it so is it like a tattoo bottle where the establishment has a permit fee and then every practitioner has an additional fee or is it a one-time body works permit fee right so Framingham has that I didn't write the regulation like for that they actually have a $500 application fee for the practitioner. Um, I, I don't feel like it's necessary. Similar to body works. I mean, to uh, body art. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I didn't write it like That's that. Fine. I wrote it for one. one so it'd permit. be one yeah, fee so. per the establishment. Yeah. And when we go take that into account, we have to do another hearing, right, to set the fee into play because it's going to change. Anytime you do a fee structure, really, I, I, I think anytime you change a fee in the Board of Health, you have to have a public hearing. Well, and, and with that, I have to, it, it also goes to town council. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I, Jamie would bring it to the town council. Um, so, so we have to have a public hearing? I'm pretty sure, I can double check. I'm pretty Tim sure anytime yeah. you change monetary fee, um, you have to have a public hearing. It has to be posted because people have the right, yeah, I'm 99% sure. All right, well, let me find that out for sure for next. I'll put it on the agenda for next month. Cool. Um, and then we can go from there. Um, I don't even know if we have any money left in that budget line. <laughs> so would that <laughs> be, um, it would come to the board first, the board would vote in the proposed fee, agree upon it, and then at that point it would go to town council for additional approval, or is it the other way around? I'm not sure. I'd have okay. to find out. It's the first time I've done it yeah, no, in curious. that type of hierarchy. Yeah. 
I would imagine it would be get voted on from the Here board. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, so um, um, <laughs> maybe um, if, as you just said, you don't know what the budget is for for public um, hearing notices. Maybe it makes sense to do tobacco and body works together. Together, yeah. So um, I don't know if you've heard Jamie in, in his meetings. The um, the advertisement fee is astronomical, um, and so we're we're all struggling with that in our budgets because we have to have two um, two weeks, two weeks. So and it's a lot. Um, so yeah, that's a great idea. And we can't hurt, right? So if you want to check with the town clerk to make sure we have the time to do that, I think that would make sense. You think? And we could do it in July so we could start a new fiscal year um, for the budget. Yeah. What I don't know, and this is something that we'll have to clarify, is does it need to be published before the board votes on it, or does it need to be published before the town council, council votes on it? Before we vote on it. It may have, maybe vote. Maybe when That's I, what don't. I don't. That's yeah, what I don't so know. when we vote, we definitely be posted for us. When we, because if, this is procedural stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be discussed now, but mm -hmm. technically if we are voting on Even though it was a nice option because it is around dinner time for people to go and eat, 
for all. Exactly. Very good about thinking like that. So, is there any, I know that you guys have done a lot of work with the schools and some of the like, composting and the sustainability pieces around food. Are there any vendors or any topics related to that for this? Well, I wanted, actually, Cassia did reach out to the green team, but there yeah. was um, just crickets. And um, Unfortunately, I, with some people. I, yeah, I was talking to Adam, uh, who worked tirelessly to get this going over at DPW. Um, and we're going to meet next week because I'd like to have an ambassador from the school. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if that's possible or someone from the school, whether it be the principal or vice principal, mm -hmm. where we've already implemented the program. Because um, you saw the commercial, right, with the kids talking about it. It was amazing. Um, so I definitely want to have a table, whether it be resources or yeah. a person. Yeah. So if you do resources, I would definitely recommend if you guys pull up the iPad and have the life of the strawberry. Have you ever seen that video by the EPA? It's no. geared towards kids called the life of a strawberry. And it helps families because a lot of the consumer waste is actually generated from us, not restaurants, even though we blame restaurants because that's what we're good at. Um, but it's very informational, it's very educational, and it's part of the EPA Too Good to Waste Toolkit. And those guys across the way have a pretty progressive program as well. They might have resources. Um, Big Y might have some stuff that you could just, even just like pictures, images, because they do, they. Big Y uh, nutritionist is supposed to be coming, but um, the communication sometimes I haven't heard back, even though they said yes, and then I haven't heard anything. So I'm hoping they show up, but so, sometimes have. getting um, the vendors, some people are super excited, great communicators, and some people, yeah. well, we don't hear back. I'll have Casilla reach out to the nutritionist, see if they have resources on there. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff related to that, because there's a huge push everywhere now to reduce consumer food waste, not just restaurant food waste. Yeah, the nutritionist said that she couldn't come, but she was going to give the resources to like someone at the store to come, and then I emailed them and never heard back. Okay. Well, it's my understanding, my understanding is that um, all schools will have to do this. At some point. It's, it's not going away. No. So, I'm sorry, one more. Maybe your tri county, you guys do still do a lot of tri county, right? Mm. They have a culinary program. Yeah. Maybe someone from their culinary program could be your ambassador for that. Oh, yeah. Kids yeah. talking about, and then you could do, um, uh, there's a huge push on like certain recipes that only use like upcycled food. So maybe you could have them do like a small, you know, have just have them talk about it. Yeah. People don't know what they can re reuse and recycle until someone else tells them. Yeah. Oh, like great. dehydrating, you know, all those. You don't, if you're not a chef, I mean, I'm not a chef anyway. I just saw it at school. <laughs> but there are a lot of uses. And even if it's one of the students or someone from, you know, um, from that school, it, it helps bridge some of those gaps, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And I have a chef cool. if you want it because um, he lives in Norfolk and he'll do it if you if oh, you want really? it. Yeah, he this is his passion. He's like recovering food stuff. Oh, that's so, so cool. So I'll reach out to him. Yeah. I would love to go to a booth like that and learn about it because I am wasteful, especially with food. Yeah, we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I am. I don't. Yeah. We all are. Recorded. You can't. Oh. You, you can't ever. <laughs> but I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna no, no. I mean, it's, it's a hard habit. Like it I know it is that. A hard habit. I know that. Dates are um, quality, not food safety. I've seen studies about milk. The minute the milk is a day before its expiration date, I'm dumping. I know better, but I can't turn it off. I can't help it. <laughs> Everything else, I'm all right with. The milk, not so much, kids. No <laughs> milk here. Yeah, so cool. Thank I appreciate you. all your work on that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, John, you want to give you a report? Sure. Uh, so uh, for the month of April, I did uh, 14 uh, routine inspections at restaurants. And uh, I don't know how they were came out even, but 14 reinspections at restaurants, uh, food establishments. <laughs> um, so I, I attended the uh, town council meeting on the 12th uh, with the Metacomet team and um, Kathleen's presentation there. Uh, I attended the Mass Association of Health Boards uh, seminar on the 15th. <laughs> uh, um, and also, uh, Join the um, to listen into the local board of health webinar on the 25th that they do twice a month. So that's that's what I have for you this this month. Great, thank you. Thank you, Alicia. So for um, communicable diseases, COVID-19, and this data was from May 1st, so it's subject to change. Uh, cases for April only 32 in Maven versus 60 in March. And even when I was looking at the wastewater just to kind of see comparatively, the counts were low also. So it does 
So there's been a lot of changes going on. So the monovalent, the original COVID-19 vaccine that a lot of us got, uh, will no longer be used in the United States. The CDC recommends that everyone ages six and older be up to date with their vaccine, which at this point includes receiving a bivalent dose. For kids younger, six months to five years, um, you can go on the site to actually see specifically for Moderna and Pfizer what the differences are, but there are multiple doses. Um, continue to be recommended and will vary by age, vaccine, and which vaccines were previously received. CDC's new recommendations allow an additional updated bivalent vaccine dose for adults ages 65 and older and an additional dose for people who are immunocompromised. I think it just has to be two months after their last one. And I'm still continuing doing monitoring of COVID-19 clusters and assisted living facilities, nursing homes, and any other communicable disease case investigations. Influenza remains low. Um, this past week in Massachusetts and seasonal influenza activity remains low nationally. Uh, percent of influenza-like illnesses in Mass are down to 1.54%, which is lower than the regional baseline of 2%. And um, hospitalizations associated with influenza are only 0.1, which is lower than two of the previous three seasons in the same week. There's more influenza A than B than influenza B specimens, um, but in recent weeks they are noticing more influenza B specimens testing than positive A, so it is still out there even though it is low. And the vaccination rate for all ages is 47%. I'm continuing going to Central Park Terrace. I did a blood pressure clinic on April 26th, and the mobile food pantry continues to occur monthly there. Um, we also did bingo with them on 412. We have a lovely group of ladies that always come out with us and it's a good way for them to get out of their homes. For meetings and trainings, I'm continuing with the bi-weekly local Board of Health webinars. We did a Stop the Bleed training April 20th at the Senior Center. Narcan training was done on April 13th. Like me getting Narcan training, not me doing it. Um, I did an adult immunization conference on April 4th, and I'm wicked excited about this. We did a hands-only CPR class with the help of the Franklin Fire Station. For It was offered for um, employees at town halls. We did two classes that day. It was a lot of fun, and it worked out really good. We're actually going to be getting our own kits so I can do more trainings for people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I'm continuing doing weekly home visits with anything from medication to blood pressures, glucose monitoring. A lot of people come to my office to ask for that stuff awesome. too. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, and I did attend that. Thank you, that town council meeting. Kathleen did a great job. Thanks, that was yeah, fun. That's fun. Um, I'm sorry, I'm doing this. I, um, Cassie is not here, but I want to show you her, um, her latest and greatest on um, she, so, can I, uh, I'm just going to go next, I'm sorry. Thank you, Alicia. Are um, you next? Well, not you, yeah, but she is. Is. Yeah, yeah. that time. So, <laughs> um, so I'm on a, um, a subcommittee uh, for the Chana for Homeless, um, and we've been work, working hard on Kathy, that. Kathy, if you do me a favor, can yeah. you remind everyone what Chana stands for? Community Health Network Association. Thank you. I'm on the executive committee, and I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. Um, so we, we grabbed um, Cassia to come in and do uh, a um, website for us, mm -hmm. and I can't find it, so I'll have to share it next time. But okay. it it's really remarkable uh, how you know the detail that she puts into these things. And we're also um, going to be doing a GIS um, opioid dashboard. She's going to be working with the Franklin Pol Police as well, um, so it'll be Franklin based. Uh, information so um, that will be similar that will be go on to our resource that she already did mm -hmm. I think that's everything's going to be kind of chain linked with that yeah um, and so you have her report too mm -hmm. I mean we can read it out loud but um, she's done a lot and um, certainly uh, quite an asset to a lot of the projects that I want to do that would be hard for me to do so if you don't mind me adding just because um, getting the resources you know it it's a lot of work and uh, I wish I could put up the website she'll have to show it to you next time it's really great we focused on Franklin and Milford in particular um, Milford 
this site, you can go on to it, find out what kind of resources are out there for food, right in our area, for shelter needs, um, so many things, even medical care, it's all laid out there. So we've been adding and inputting into it, and to start, it's just Milford and Franklin, because um, who knows, maybe, it's. I would like to include other places too, because there are more shelters in other areas, but realistically, if you're homeless and you're living in this area, you're not driving back and forth a lot of these shelters first come, first serve. You're not gonna spend all day in Franklin and then drive out to Springfield or drive out to Boston to go and do it. So realistically, we're just focusing on what's in this area. Yeah, yeah. and the cool, the cool part is um, the uh, one of the other Chana executive uh, members works for Milford Hospital and they're going to be creating a postcard with a QR code that will lead um, anybody that needs these services to that particular website that she's creating and um, after speaking with the jail diversion officer one thing I didn't consider is that towns that have a train station are um, more apt to have more homeless people come through um, so I'm going to hopefully get permission to put some of those postcards down there you know um, or somewhere near there and jail to police will have them, senior center, um, library, you know, we'll get get it out for anybody who's in need of these type of resources. Yeah, let me know if you have any problems getting it in the station, because we're doing the same thing on the passenger route, and it's making a difference. Well, so. I wondered if, if, I haven't been down there, but I'm, I'm wondering if we can have them install, or if there's already something there, like you see at the beginning of a trail, it's just like a shadow box, mm -hmm. and you can... You know, there's, I mean, there's the building, there. there's the exterior of the building, there's a light post that have like the parking numbers, things like that. But there's a lot. This is for like the homeless piece. Yeah. Um, across the country, they're battling this because of the transient population. Yeah. The people are walking on tracks and they're getting hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of resources that, that can be funneled that way. But if you have any trouble getting them over there, let me know and I can reach out to somebody at the MBTA. Yeah, absolutely. Joint effort. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think. Um, Tim, I'm going to have you guys sign um, the Body Works regulation again because remember I told you I yes. had to make some grammatical errors. Yes. I don't think you have to do anything as a board, right? Does this have, does it have to be in the minutes? I don't think if it's just if it's grammatical, I'm not content. No, I don't it's, think so. it's just yeah. editorial, right? Yeah, it's just edited. It's just those edited. Yeah, those yeah. Okay. Grammatical okay, then I'll do that after. Okay. All cool. right, that's it. Um, yeah. So, do you have anything? Nothing for me. Do you have anything?
all appreciate all the work that you all do collectively um, and it definitely shows so thank you thank you thank you anything else is there a motion to adjourn motion to adjourn is there a second a second all right um Tim? yes jeff yes bridget is yes so unanimous uh adjourning at 5 51 p.m thank you Thank you, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Great meeting. Yeah, it was. I agree. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.